Parks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This food industry-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to help keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are discussing Moolis, a new animal-free whey protein, and Flash Food, an app to help keep food out of landfills. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the X-Talks Food Podcast. I'm Sydney Perlmutter, food industry journalist and webinar moderator at xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Aisha Rashid, Vera Kovacevic, and Mira Nabulsi. Thanks for coming today. So I'm going to start us off with a story about a company called Flash Food, and they are kind of solving two problems at once. One of those problems is food waste, and the other are uh, is rising grocery costs. So Flash Food is a Toronto, Canada-based startup, and it's making pe- it's making it easier for people to save money on groceries while, like I said. Uh, preventing unbought food from ending up in landfills. So it's coming at a really interesting time. Uh, It's been around for a few years, but it's kind of gaining in popularity now with skyrocketing grocery prices brought on by pandemic-driven inflation. So this is how it works. Once a user downloads the Flash Food app, they can see which grocers in their area have partnered with the startup. They can then select a store, and then they see which foods are nearing their expiration dates. And because of that, they are heavily discounted. So users can purchase a variety of foods, um, including meat, produce, bakery items, dairy products, and also non-perishable items directly through the app. And then once it's ordered, items uh, are ready for pickup in designated in-store Flash food zones. So these kind of just look like little fridges or areas within a grocery store so people know where to pick up their orders. So thus far, the company has partnered with around 1,200 supermarkets, mainly in the U.S. and Canada, with the company expecting to double that number in the coming year. And it's part of a large group of startups uh, such as Misfit Market, Imperfect Foods, and Too Good to Go that are making landfill-bound foods cheaper for consumers. And it seems like a no-brainer. But up to this point, there hadn't really been a good way to do that in an organized fashion. It was really up to the grocery stores. So for these companies that are doing this, the goal is to make sales, but also trying to make a dent in the global food waste problem. And so I thought while I was writing this, well, how much food actually goes to waste from grocery stores? And the USDA estimates that about 31% of food in American grocery stores is thrown away. And that is a pretty baffling number to me. Uh, Retail stores generate about 16 billion pounds of food waste each year, which is equivalent to $161 billion worth of food. Mm. And to add on to that, uh, food waste also contributes to around 11% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, and that's just due to wasted resources and then, you know, transporting food to landfills and then what happens to the food while it's there. So this is where flash food comes in. The items sold through the app are typically around half off the regular price, which definitely incentivizes consumers to make that extra step by using the app before grocery shopping. So they offer fruit and vegetable boxes, which range from five to $10. And those are in very high demand along with meat too. Those are their top sellers. And some users even treat the app like it's a game scrolling through for the best deals. So this is something called game gamification. And 
And this approach, though, is something that may not work for all consumers because a lot of them prioritize convenience um, rather than, you know, potentially getting the best deal. So the extra step of actually going through the app and searching through for items may not be worth it for them. Um, but at the same time, consumers are also becoming more environmentally conscious. So there was a PwC survey and about half of the respondents uh, consciously consider factors related to sustainability when making purchasing decisions. Um, and to cater to both of these consumers or those that overlap, the uh, Flash Food is exploring expanding payment options and adding a delivery option to make the process more convenient. And like I mentioned, the idea of marking down items that are nearing the end of their shelf life is not a new one. We've seen in grocery stores, maybe like plastic wrapped uh, fruits or vegetables that are not have seen better days. Um, they've implemented these with little shelves or even complete aisles um, that sell such food. But discounting prices in a more strategic way is something that a lot of retailers have to take the initiative to do themselves. So that's why when Grocery stores partner with Flash Food. They share the revenue, but ultimately save on the cost of wasted food. Um, so Flash Food itself has accumulated $4 million in funding from various investors, and it's, in, it's available at select retailers like Meyer, Giant, Price Right, Martins, and in Canada at some Loblaws locations as well, um, among many other American and Canadian retailers. So that's the app. I thought it was a very cool idea, um, very relevant, I think, to uh, just the modern consumer. And uh, especially, like I said, with rising grocery prices, we could all, you know, use use a little extra cash, uh, especially when it comes to buying food. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Is this something that you would do? Would you take the extra step to scroll through the app? It may take, you know, several minutes up to half an hour maybe to find what you're looking for. Is this a step you would take or do you value in and out convenience more than potentially saving a few dollars? I think, uh, unfortunately, I think I'm a, you know, quick and go kind of person. But if I were to be directed to an app like this, I think I would greatly consider it and give myself a few more minutes to figure it out. Right, but I think as like a person who's on the go, this would be harder for me. I don't know, but that's just me personally. <laughs> I would say the same thing because I, I've yeah, I'm a bit more about convenience than than you know saving a few extra dollars. But the incentive for me here is the environmental component of it just thinking about how much food waste we have like 31 percent like that's insane like um and so i i think you know my main motive would be towards um you know towards that idea of uh, sustainability and, and reducing food waste um if i were to use the app uh, rather than saving a few bucks <laughs> i think for me I would consider using the app if my closest local grocery store that I usually go to has it. And, you know, that's where I go to buy my food like 90% of the time. And if they don't have it, then I don't think I would use the app, to be honest, because it would just be too much for me to go out of the way. Um, like, you know. 
hundred percent. I I kind of agree with all of you guys. Like the the one thing that they really need to do to incentivize people to use it is probably not the you know cost; it's the convenience factor. So they are working on other things to do. Like if there was a delivery option, um, and it was comparable to other grocery delivery um rates, then absolutely I would use it. There's no, there's kind of no reason not to. Um, and another concern I was thinking about was, you know, are, would people, are people comfortable buying um, ex- soon to expire foods? And I actually don't think that is like, um, it's it's more of a vanity thing with the foods rather than like an actual safety thing. We know that expiration dates, while they are important, they're not the be all end all. Um, and a lot of these fruits and vegetables and produce, meat, everything gets neglected or thrown out because people want the most perfect piece of, you know, salary. But yeah, there's a lot to work on with this app. And once it expands and once like all of those convenience factors are, are brought into the picture, I think it will gain a lot more uh, adoption. But I definitely agree with you guys for the time being, being that convenience is like a top priority. Um but yeah, it's it's hard to think about it uh, when we consider the how much food is wasted. I agree with you, Aisha. Like it's it's a huge number, and it is a good way to cut down on it. But it's it's not gonna work unless like we all make it work. You know, like it's it's right. a great idea. It's just like it's really in its infancy, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I was also gonna add though a good thing that they're banking on is the idea of um, the cost of grocery increasing. Mm -hmm. So I know in Canada or Toronto, at least there's like an uproar, I would say, Mm -hmm. of people complaining about the inflation rates in gas and the inflation rates in food and and that kind of stuff. So I think they're really, you know, trying to get those people on, on board because they're telling you, oh, you could use our app. You could find it for cheaper, get food for cheaper, but also save the planet. So I think in that regard, if we were thinking about less more of a convenience aspect, but more cost on saving on groceries, um, that they they are really targeting a really big market here. Um, I don't know. I've been seeing a lot of blogs about people being really angry about the fact that grocery cost is increasing. So yeah, that's that's something else to consider. Yeah, I think I heard like um, dairy is set to increase. Like that was a huge thing a couple of weeks ago that I heard about. And also like I feel like, you know, we're sitting here as I guess the millennial, late millennial (laughs) generation. No one Gen Z here, right? (laughs) But um, so maybe our perspective is a little bit different than say older generations who or, or coupon clippers, or, you know, there are all different types of um, demographics and people out there that this might very well appeal to. So like you were saying, Mira, um, just to, I think if they market it as you can save on your grocery bill, I think it could really work. And I wonder, like, for people like, you know, the lazy millennials now but um if they could partner with like another app like or service like instacart or something to have grocery delivery um you know uh, integrated into that that might open up a bit more options for for some people um but yeah i think it's a great um the motivation behind it is really great i feel but yeah i think just some things need to be uh worked out and tweaked 
Yeah, totally agree. And I was thinking like, if in a few years from now, it was very successful, the supply issue is is interesting because there might be a, a huge demand for, you know, soon to expire groceries and not enough supply. So maybe it's good for these, uh, for this company right now that it's not massive and that not too many people know about it. Like, I, I, I don't know. I wonder how they're going to keep up if, if the demand grows. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Sydney. And while I, I very much am a fan of apps and using, you know, developing a, an app for a good purpose. So many people have smartphone these days and you, we all know we're on our smartphones way too much of the time. But um, I'm wondering how convenient is this for seniors who typically don't carry smartphones, but lots of times they would like to pay for groceries and cash. And, and I think there are more, you know, con like more um, interested in the prices of things. And so my only concern with these apps is, you know, are they going to exclude a whole generation completely? And, and what's kind of the um, solution to that? That's a really great question. And I think the the solution thus far is what's out there currently, which is uh, those little aisles or designated racks with uh, soon to expire foods. It's just this app is sort of centralizing everything and it's making uh, it available or it's making it known to consumers like what they can get before they actually go to the grocery store. So yeah, I don't really know. I guess the only way to alleviate that issue is to promote uh, the service like in store and give consumers a way to sort of uh, be able to designate these, these foods when they get to the grocery store. But that's a great question because it's something I hadn't thought about. You know what, this also, um, yeah, that's a really good point about accessibility for, let's say, older um, people. The other thing I was thinking about is whether this could be extended to like restaurants, right? Like restaurant food waste is a huge issue as well. Like, I think it's also around 30 to 40% of, you know, restaurants throw out their food at the end of the night or something like that. So I wonder if this could be kind of expanded to include restaurants, you know, at the end of the day. They might have, and you kind of see that at food courts, you know, um, they like end of, day put, sale. end of day sales and they'll put in like stuff in like boxes and be like, you could take one, five bucks or whatever it is, 10 bucks. So I think it could be, it could, could be expanded to, to restaurants too, which would be cool. Definitely. Yeah. There's like a bunch of companies that are kind of centralizing like, uh, f- soon to be food waste or um you know soon to expire foods i i swear like the day before i wrote this article i wrote a story about a uh, tech company that was uh making it easier for consumer packaged goods brands to uh sell their uh excess inventory so i definitely if there isn't already one for the restaurant industry there's going to be very shortly because i think like the food industry as a whole is just like for some reason now, I guess, we're realizing how much food waste is a problem, um, both on the consumer end and like the producer and retailer ends as well. Yeah. So I am optimistic for, you know, the the number of solutions that are out there and like maybe they're not all accessible yet, but hopefully they will be uh, in the future. Yeah. And with, with that, I'll pass it over to you, Mira. 
Thank you so much, Sydney. So today I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about a new animal-free product, um, and this one is whey protein uh, is entering this market. So a company called Natrieve is a premium wellness company based in Vancouver, and they've partnered with Perfect Day to give consumers the first animal-free whey protein powder. The powder is called Moolis, and it offers the same taste, texture, and nutritional benefits of whey, but without the animal component. So Moolis targets those who want protein powder that elevates their wellness journey while also meeting their environmental and health uh, principles. So this is not the first time we've heard of the phrase animal free. We've talked about this multiple times in our podcast before, but this term differs from vegan or plant-based products because it involves a new technology that makes a dairy protein without using the animal itself. Perfect Day is a company that's gaining a lot of traction. Um, they received an approval from the FDA um, a few years back, and it's for their flora-based products um, that are also marked as generally recognized as safe. So the protein is created by fermenting a genetically modified yeast strain, which is then submerged in a media um, that allows it to ferment and, cre and create beta-lactoglobulin protein. The partnership between Naturev and Perfect Day uh, uses the technology to make this animal-free milk protein identical to those found in the conventional whey protein, um, which is actually the watery part of milk, which is left over after the formation of curds. So that's typically what whey is. So the new animal-free method um, of making whey generates 97% less greenhouse gas emissions than conventional production methods. The collaboration occurred because both companies have the same or similar values, which is to focus on making a change through business, but also putting sustainable practices forward. So the protein powder is available in four flavors, uh, cookies and cream, vanilla bean cupcake, strawberry shortcake, and chocolate fudge brownie all sound really delicious. Um, each serving of Moolis has 20 grams of protein and a full spectrum digestive enzymes to enhance and support a person's performance and daily wellness. The whey protein market in general is set to grow $829 million with a compound annual growth rate of 7.2% uh, between 2021 and 2025. So many reasons cater to this increase, such as, you know, the increased popularity of exercising ever since COVID, the idea of um, healthy eating, but also the increased awareness of health benefits of whey protein itself. So additionally, the plant protein market growth is also expected to grow at 6.2 compound annual growth rate with $27 million by 2027. So not only is the whey protein market increasing, but the plant protein market increasing. And this animal-free collaboration between Perfect Day and Naturev will allow Moolis to compete in both markets, uh, depending on those that are vegan, what they identify animal-free products as. So I just wanted to ask you guys a little bit about that, about the animal-free market and whether you think um, a product like Moodless will be able to compete in already a saturated market, but also a new one. Yeah, I think Perfect Day, Mir and I have written about this company before. They've also partnered with a company called Brave Robot, who uses this technology yeah. to make ice cream out of um, the kind of the same process. Mm. Um, and... I think that it's kind of a 
perfect solution both to um, you know the environmental impact that raising dairy take takes on the planet and um, just like everything else that is possibly like wrong with dairy production including harming the animal as well so it, it like you know on the surface seems like the perfect solution but then we it's not scalable yet it's pro, it's a pretty small sector so we're still dealing with really high costs i would imagine i didn't check the price of this but i could almost guarantee you it's pretty expensive um but i think i think the more uh, we see products like this. Hopefully, they will be able to scale more quickly. And I think it sort of alleviates that, like, weird, you know, some people don't like plant-based, um, you know, alternatives. And this sort of alleviates that because it's still the the dairy um, and, and the protein that they know and love. It's just made from a different process. So, yeah, it's it's really cool. Great name, too. The marketing is great. Branding is really cute. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah, they uh, on their website, they go, um, animal-free whey protein powder, no cow, all science. Just because we don't use cows, it doesn't mean you get any less. So they say they have digestive enzymes. It's gluten-free, soy-free, lactose-free. So, and has 20 grams of protein, which is a lot. So, you know, they're trying to steer away from the idea of using animals, but at the same time, providing us with the beneficial beneficial. Um, components of animal products so I think it's like it's it's a new in between just like you know talking about lab-grown meats and things like that it's like what are they actually and are they vegan are they not vegan the word animals there I don't know I, I feel like this is such a big topic that we could go on about for like hours but it is it is an interesting new market and uh yeah I think I think there's a lot of room for this market to grow yeah, there's a lot of scope there. And of course, like, I guess with everyone, um, my initial thing reaction to animal free was like, oh, well, how is this different from plant based or from vegan, you know, but yeah, there are like distinctions there. And um, this is a really cool technology and a very innovative way to to bring whey protein, which I know a lot of people are into fitness and like, you know, um, high protein uh, diets and things like that. So I think this is like pretty genius um, if you ask me, but it's just, yeah, like you guys were saying, a matter of um, scalability at this point. Um, but yeah, very colorful, very innovative and pretty cool overall, I would say. Yeah, I thought this news was pretty interesting, but the the main thing I want to know is um, I've never tried animal-free milk. I don't know if anyone has here. I want to know if it if the taste is indistinguishable from from milk from cows, <laughs> and if the taste is indistinguishable, I think I would be more open to drinking it. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't. I don't think we have many animal-free products yeah. here yet. Okay. Like uh, the Moolis. Um, product is still coming soon, so it's not even in the market yet. So actually, I have no idea how much it cost either. Um, but uh, it would be interesting once it hits the shelves. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, good question too. I've read reviews from people who have tried like Brave Robots ice cream, for example, and who knows if the reviews are biased because they're on their website and whatnot. But they claim that it is indistinguishable. Um. So really? yeah, they, they claim, um, 
So I wouldn't try it because I'm not going to spend like $30 on a pint of ice cream right now. But (laughs) like if it truly is and if that price comes down, then I feel like all other like real dairy is like going to go by the wayside within like a matter of years. I don't know. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, it was it was interesting because I came across um I forget what her name was. I think it was Miyoko. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so it's this company that um helps farmers transit like dairy farmers transition to plant-based farming, well to plant farming because um you know, cuz cuz I think the the founder of the company was basically like, you know, I feel for these farmers, you know, they're out there, um, you know, they're trying to do a good thing because they think, you know, milk is a good thing. And they've grown up the second, third, fourth generation um, families producing milk. And so this is their livelihood and they think they're doing a great service to people, which, you know, they are. And so now with, you know, a lot of like people who are more health conscious and the trend towards um, moving away from, from dairy for a lot of people, um, these farmers are being really, you know, affected by it. So she, you know, her company's coming in and saying, you know, we have like, I think, um, yeah, cheeses, they make vegan cheeses. And so at the same time, they partner with these dairy farmers, teaching them how to farm and make um, also plant-based products as well. So I thought that was pretty cool. And it, it didn't really hit me until I saw that little video that this is a real thing that's happening. Like a sh- this shift is re- um, is pretty significant that we're seeing. Before it was kind of, you would hear, it, it was more fringe, like, oh, vegan cheeses and all of these plant-based things and products. But they're really taking over and becoming mainstream now. So sorry that was a tangent there, but I thought it was interesting. <laughs> Just all right, well, that brings us to the end of the X Talks Food Podcast. If you like today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the X Talks Food Industry Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media. Email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalk.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.